0: Good morning. Can everyone hear me? All right. <laughs> Good to have you here this morning. Uh, we had a, a, a very cool picture while we were praying, and it was just, it was God seated on his throne. He was sitting above the earth. And as he was sitting there, the planets, the stars, all began to rotate around him, and it wasn't it wasn't any kind of effort on his part, like he was starting to change the rotation, but it was just a natural reaction of creation in the presence of God. Everything moves around him. So I think that's just a, a beautiful reminder this morning of just the, the authority, the power, the holiness, the, the majesty of our Heavenly Father. So this morning, let's let's put our focus not not on the things that are going around us, not on on how our week was. But this this morning, we just want to focus on the holiness of God. Heavenly Father, we just just say, you are holy. We are here to to worship you. Holy Spirit, just come now. Fill this place. All distractions we just put aside, and we just want to focus and worship You this morning. We love you. Your name I pray. Amen.
1: Is God good? I'm just asking, is God good? Is God good whether you, when you're feeling the mushies? Is God good when we're feeling not so great and we feel like it's cobwebs inside? So whether we feel it or not, he is good. But it is okay to say, Holy Spirit, come us, heal us, comfort us Focus okay, Yeah. Hey. Father, and he loves us so much, so let him dance, let him dance, let him sing in that beauty of holiness for his glory. So here's the challenge, can we be the children too? Can we dance too? May I oh, can you still dance? Can we dance, too? I can dance with you. Oh, okay. We can dance before you, Lord God. We can dance because you are the good, good Father. You are a good, good Father. That is who you are. You have declared it, and we join, and we stand in agreement. Therefore, we don't have to carry the weight of the world. We can approach you as children. We never stopped being your kids. We'll always be your kids. And you call us to be grown-up kids that can still dance. Hallelujah. We can dance.
2: Is it a
3: Um, I was just getting ready to come up and make a transition into the rest of our service and we're about, we're going to do that in just a minute, but before we do that, I just want to take a minute uh, and the sense I got was this, um, this song that we do is a is a question to the Lord, Lord tell tell me what moves you and uh, if you listen to the live version of this song, um, this song is actually prophetic in a big way and, and the way that works is they, they wrote this song and the end of it, the prophetic version of that was, Lord, you, we do. I do. So the, the question that we're asking the Lord is, Lord, tell me what moves you. And the beautiful thing is, we don't have to wonder what that is. Right? That's not a mystery. That's that's clearly <clears throat> given to us in, in the New Testament especially. Um, and what moves the heart of God is you. You move his heart. And why that's so helpful is this. it It, it takes the it takes the wonder away. It takes the disconnect away. Because sometimes if, we, if we're not careful with the song, we're, we really go through our songs and we, we make sure that they're theologically accurate. Okay, we do that on purpose as leaders. We want to sing something that isn't biblical. And, and if I'm honest, this one is borderline for me.
2: <laughs>
3: it's a beautiful melody. It's a beautiful song. But so often when we sing this song, we get to this point, and if we're, if we're not careful, if we don't understand grace in the new covenant, we feel disconnected, Lord, tell me what moves, moves you as if I need to do something that would move his heart. So the picture of that, again, goes back to falling under the law and going, if I'm good, Lord, you will love me, right? And that's, if we're not careful, if we've grown up that way or just not heard grace and not heard the gospel, that's what we'll do. And I just want to remind you, what moves God is, is not you trying to do everything right. The reason God gave us the law wasn't so that you could get it right it was to show you you couldn't and if you don't get that you'll never make that transition from your identity to i'm always striving to be good enough for god to love me till you realize that the reason jesus went to the cross 2000 years ago before you were ever born before you ever sinned one sin was because of his great love for you the bible says it this way we love you lord because you first Loved us, So I just want to take a minute, if you will, if you've been, you know, if that was kind of in the back of your mind, it's like, you know, uh, Lord, what, what can I do to move you? (laughs) Can we just take just a minute? I'm just going to pray and just take just a minute and just remind ourselves, don't let the enemy take this away from us and remind ourselves, Lord, I'm amazed that you love me like you do. I really am. I'm blown away. And when you do that, it changes the way you talk to God. It changes the way you asked for things for God. So again, if you haven't done, had a good week, if you messed up, if you screwed up, if you got caught up in temptation and you sinned some juicy sin, the likelihood of you going, oh, Lord, you're so amazing. I just thank you for giving me everything that you've given me, is going to be pretty low. Wouldn't you agree? Unless you understand grace. Because what grace does is the Bible says is grace actually teaches us to say no to sin. So how does that work? it means we have this revelation of God's great love for us before we ever get to the place where we have the conversation about sin. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. If you're sinning, you should probably feel bad about that, <laughs> right? But if you want to get past that and move into maturity, grow up in the faith, what you have to do is come into that place where you begin to understand the relationship that God has with you first because he is the only one who gets to define that, not you, not the enemy, not circumstances, not anything else. And his definition of love for you is, I loved you first. And when that happens, it humbles us, doesn't it? It humbles us and we say, God, we ask often, why? God, do you not know what I'm like? As if God doesn't know what you're like, (laughs) right? He knows exactly what he made you. And the brokenness and the hurt that was either someone sinned against you and then eventually became you sinning against others, that's how that works. And God says, that breaks my heart. So I did something about it so you don't have to be caught in sin ever again. I sent my son. He willingly paid that price on the cross. All of the wrath of God for sin fell on him on that day, which means there is no more wrath for you. If you believe... And what Jesus did, if you accept, that's what the Bible speaks to. It's your faith that brings you into that place. Believing what he did on your behalf. If you do that, when that occurs, the way you begin to talk to God changes. You're not arrogant, but you just begin to say, Lord, I recognize what you've done for me, and I I receive that. I thank you for that. I'm not going to let the enemy lie to me. I'm not going to let my emotions lie or circumstances lie. I am going to just, I'm just going to (laughs) wallow in that love that he has for me, amen? So let's just take just a moment. Jesus, thank you so much. God, Lord, your love for us is, it's absolutely amazing. We, God, we can't really wrap our hearts around it, but we can, we can apprehend it, Lord. We can recognize that it's there for us. And so, Lord, we just say thank you, Lord. Thank you that, that if I've missed this, this week, Lord, that you never turned your face away from me, Lord. You never abandoned me, Lord. You never left me as an orphan. You said you would never leave me. You would never forsake me. You would come to me. So Jesus, that is is who you are. And when I sing this song, tell me what moves you, Lord. I'm reminded of what your scripture says. The revelation you've given us is that your love for us is what moved you to pay that price on the cross. And so, Lord, we just say thank you. We are just blown away by your great love for us, Lord. Would, would you let that sink in as a revelation to us so the enemy stops using the lies and the deceit and the guilt and the shame and the condemnation, Lord. And that just begins to fall off of me because it is not, it is not mine. Jesus, you paid that price so I could have righteousness as a gift. Not my own, but a gift from you. And so I receive that gift and say thank you. And Lord, because of that, I can grow up and become a mature son or daughter in the faith, and walk in the fullness of the inheritance that you've given me. So, Jesus, we just say thank you for grace. Thank you for the cross. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Um, if you notice something different going up on up here this morning, because uh, my wife is going to be preaching in just a few minutes. Um, so if you've never heard my wife communicate, you're in for a treat. So hold on to your emotions, because she will move you. <laughs> she is a passionate woman. I tell her all the time, I, if I look up the word formidable in the dictionary, I see my wife's picture there, right? So, <laughs> and if that's pointed at the enemy, that's a good thing. If I ever get it pointed at me, I'm a little afraid if I'm honest. But anyway, she's coming up in just a minute. But a couple of things before we uh, make the transition. Uh, first of all, if you're here for the first time, we're so thankful that you guys chose to worship with us. We're glad you're here. You can go online. Our website is dothincf.com. Or you can go christianfellowship.com it's a little bit longer. But uh, you can go there, find out a lot about us, um, and there's a, a card there. You can go out and click on the button that says, I'm new here. And then you can let us know a little bit about you. We'd love to get to know you, learn a little bit about your story, and also tell you a little bit about ours. And uh, as a matter of fact, we're doing something a little bit different coming up after Easter. Uh, Easter is the ninth, and so we're going we're gonna, to uh, preach a series, start a series on Easter Sunday called This is Love. And I'm excited about that. It's going to be a good time. It's also a great time to invite people that you've been praying for, that you've been investing in relationship with. Uh, invite them to church. Uh, statistics tell us that, especially in the South, if you invite somebody to church on Easter, there's a really good chance they're going to say yes. So, you know, take that chance and ask them. All they can do is say no. Don't give them their no for them. Let them say it, and, uh, right? And so it's going to be a good thing. So, um, but uh, we were talking about, if you're new here, there's a class coming up called an About Us class. And that's on April the 16th, so it's a little bit after Easter. That gives us a chance if there's any new people on the Easter Sundays. Uh, we're going to open that up, uh, it's going to be 8.30 on, on the 16th, Sunday morning, so you come a little bit early. Um, we're going to be in the classroom back in the back of the building back here, and it's gonna, we're going to talk to you just a little bit about who we are, kind of how we got started, what our values and our passions are, that kind of thing, just who we are as a, as a church, and then also give you an opportunity to ask questions. So if you've got questions about the gifts of the Spirit, about you know, anything that we've been teaching or preaching into, questions about grace questions about church government. Nobody ever asks those questions but me, I guess. But if you have any kind of question, uh, somebody else asked. Oh yeah, that's right. Lawrence and Pat, they asked right away. So thank you guys. (laughs) But uh, we got that coming up. So come and be a part of that. We'll put something online where you can sign up for it so we know who's coming. Um, And that's going to be, again, April the 16th. So um, be ready for that. And then uh, our giving, we have lots of ways to give. Uh, Karen joked last week that we, one of the ways is to write a check. Nobody does that anymore, but I think uh, Pat and Lawrence and us, maybe I think Alan dropped a check in, yeah. So we're all old school, a few others. But, but let me just tell you for a second why I still write a check. I, I'm actually quite good online. I'm, I'm not afraid of it. But I don't do it yet because there's still something connected to what I learned about giving in the early days of my walk with the Lord, and that was this, that the Bible says that we should give from our first fruits. Now, if you're not a farmer, you don't have any idea what that, what that means. But that was in that day, it was the first crop, the first part of the crop that came up was an indication to the people who were, that was their food. They couldn't go to the grocery store like you and I, right? But that was their food, and that was their sustenance. That was their provision. And when that came up, it was a reminder to them that the Lord was going to take care of them. He was going to provide for them. They still had to uh, you know, agree with Him in the labor of planting and, and harvesting and doing all those things. But um, the Bible says he's the only one that can make that happen. We can plant, we can water, but he's the only one that can make things grow. And so we write a check just simply because... It's the, it's the first check we write. It's the first thing we do, and it's still connected to that first fruit. So if you've never given, we're going to be talking a little bit more about giving as we kind of go into the future. Um, sometimes we do a disservice by not talking about money because we're afraid people get weird about it. Uh, but we want to talk about what it means to give biblically and the reasons why you should do that, how God works in that, and so learning to be a disciple. So that um, if you want to give, again, there's several ways you can give online, you can give a check, there's a bunch of ways you can do it. Um I'm going to go ahead and dismiss our kids. So if you are if you got kids, you can send them out this back door. I'm not Oh, are you you guys going as well? Oh, also you, thank you, Dave. Yeah, still new. Still new, man. So our young people, if you're a young person as well, teenager, and go out and follow Dave and and uh Callie and their baby. Jimma's <laughs> leading this week. Yeah. Yeah, she's high capacity little girl, right? Um so in just a couple of minutes, I'm going to uh, invite my wife up, so we're going to take a, a quick break. So if you need to run the restroom, if you're new, the restroom's out this door, but uh, we'll come back in just a couple of minutes, and Karen's going to be leading our message this morning.
4: Okay. Um, I don't need one of these, but uh, just to be more comfortable and be able to record for later. That sounds really big to me. I don't know if that sounds really big to y'all, um, so... They always say it's good, but I'm always like, I'm not so sure. So, um, But I am really, really glad to be um, just sharing my heart with you guys this morning. And really, for me, I feel like it comes from a mother's heart perspective towards um, this body. And I am going to be emotional this morning. And so um, just to kind of pre-warn you just a little bit. um, But I want to kind of share a little bit. One of the things... As a leadership team, we recognize that people that are coming in that are new, that are joining us, people that have been here for a while, it's like we're all on this different place within our journey. We're at a different different way or understanding of how we engage um, individually with the Lord and also how we engage together corporately. And so... We wanted to kind of get everyone kind of maybe on the same page a little bit more or maybe rather than being out here on the fringes, we kind of get you in a little bit closer. And so that's kind of what our heart is this morning. So um, I don't know if y'all have noticed or not, but revival is happening around the world. And um, it is something something that's happening and there's a hunger for more of the Lord. There's a hunger for experiencing and knowing him. We have a generation that is hungry for something that they've never known, for someone they've never experienced. And so um, that is something that is a passion that is in our heart. And um, if you kind of keep up with different things with prophetic words and follow along with some of the things, um, uh, several years back there was a prophetic word that when the Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl that there would be a billion soul harvest. And, you know, When that happened initially, which they had not won the Super Bowl for decades, I'm letting y'all know, I know a little bit about football. Um, When they won the Super Bowl, a couple months later, we went into COVID, and we went into shutdown. There wasn't anything happening, but I believe that that was such a refining and a place of where are people, where is the church, where is the broad, and there was a shaking in that time and in that season, and... um, then we won the Kansas City Chiefs, won the Super Bowl this year again. And um, uh, a couple of weeks after that, the Asbury revival broke out. And it has not stopped, it is happening. There are reports of revival and just these encounters and these longings of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that are happening literally all over our world. And so, We are in a time and a season of harvest for souls and for um, every generation, not just one generation, but every generation. But I love that there's this hunger within young people that is stirring the hearts of fathers and stirring the hearts of an older generation. And I believe that it ties in that the hearts of the fathers would be turned towards the children and the hearts of the children would be turned towards the fathers. There's something that is moving in this pendulum, in the season that we live in, of what God is doing in generations. Um, what I love is that if you were kind of following, you thought, oh man, nothing happened when the chiefs won. Well, you know what? God's plans and purposes cannot be thwarted. And so at the Asbury Revival and the chiefs winning, There is something happening in our world today. There is a longing for the move of God. I love this scripture in Psalms 40, 16. And y'all will probably hear me say that a lot today because I love the Word of God. It transformed my mind. It transformed my life. It gave me a foundation to build on because I didn't come from a strong Christian family background. I came from chaos and dysfunction. And so for me, the Word of God put my life on a firm foundation that has been built and has totally transformed me. It says this in Psalms 46.10. It says, cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. And I will be exalted in the earth. So I assure you that God's purpose and plans are going to be worked out. The Bible says that knowledge, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth. And there is a glory that is being released in the earth today. And we want you to be a part of it. I want us to be a part of that. I want this to be a place where the Lord's presence dwells among us. One of the prophetic words over us as a church is that winter is over. And um, we've kind of sensed that really for about a year, a year and a half. And, uh, but emphasized again um, just a few weeks back that winter is over springtime is here, that there's a fresh breeze in the rafters, and that we were seen as a majestic war horse in this city and in this region. And so I just want to emphasize who the Lord is declaring that we are, and it takes all of us to accomplish what he's doing. So for us as leaders, we want to see everyone moving together in cadence and in step with what the Holy Spirit is doing. So the that's my introduction um, of today's message and the title is Longing. The title of my message is Longing. So I want to share a little bit of history about um, David and I. And when we were first married and he was in the Air Force and um, he went overseas, uh, we went overseas. We were stationed in England and lived there for about six years. And we were there at the height of Desert Storm happening in 91. And so David was gone, and this was the days of where there is, it's not quite the dinosaur days, but it's like the days of like, you know, a long time ago. We did not have like FaceTime and Skype and all those social tech capacities of being able to see each other, talk with one another. So, it was writing letters, and a lot of the letters that I wrote to him actually didn't get to him until he got back home. So, it was very real snail mail, let me just tell you, but... While he was gone, um, I just had a longing for him, and um, there's just been this longing in my heart and in my spirit for this depth and this deepness of just the glory in the presence of the Lord among us. And so, I want to share just a little bit of our uh, story with you. And so, Galen will probably have a picture up there of this, but. While David was gone, I sent him a little handkerchief, and y'all have heard him talk about it, but I'm going to talk about it a little bit differently today. I sent him a fragranced handkerchief, and it was um, just a perfume that was special from our honeymoon and our starting our life together. But I wanted him to know the longing in my heart, and so I sent this to him, and I sent this message to him. And I said, Dave, when you get lonesome for home, this is something special for you to bring you closer. I love you with all of my heart. This is especially for you, packed with special thoughts of you. I love you, boo. That's what I was called growing up. Um, and then I love that the one I love wrote a response on the back of this card, on the back of this little letter. And it says this, I'm glad you did this. Every time I got near it, I thought of you. I love you with all of my heart, Dave. And the ink is smeared because the perfume kind of got on that, which is kind of what happens in this place of being with the Lord, that we get smeared with his presence and his love and his kindness and his goodness for us. So there's a longing, and what I hope to inspire in you today is that no matter where you are in your walk with Jesus, that there's a longing for more. Longing is defined as this. It's both a noun and an adjective. It's a yearning desire. It's having or showing a yearning desire, and Some of the words that go along with that is yearning, craving, ache, burning, hunger, thirst, need, eagerness, zeal, desire, hope, aspiration, and dream. And one of the things that really caught me off guard when I was looking at this was the definition that says, it's also a strong desire, especially for something unattainable. And... That, like, jumped off the page at me because what I know about Jesus and who he is for us is that he is not a carrot dangler hanging his presence out here in front of me, and it's unattainable. It is very attainable. It's close. It's him close to me. And so I want to encourage you this morning. There is a closeness for you to experience in who God is toward you and who he is for you. There's something, sometimes we can feel like, you know, um, this is in the Psalms. It says, a a deer drinks from the creek. I want to drink God deep, draughts of God. I'm thirsty for God alive. I wonder, will I ever make it arrive and drink in God's presence? Do you ever feel like, can I ever attain to that? Can I ever experience his glory and his goodness in that way? And I want to encourage us together. Yes, we can, and yes, we are going to. I'm going to say that again. Yes, we can, and yes, we are going to. So, King David put it like this I love the Psalms and what he wrote and poured out from his heart. He says, How he, how he satisfies the souls of thirsty ones and fills the hungry with all that is good. And that's Psalm 107 9, and he says, this from 42 when he says, I long to drink of you, O God, drinking deeply from the streams of pleasure flowing from your presence. My longings overwhelm me for more of you. My soul thirsts, pants, and longs for the living God. I want to come and see the face of God. And I just want to tell you that um, because of Jesus, Every barrier and distance of approaching God and who he is has been completely removed. The space between you and the Father is like naught. It's, there, there is no space. He is near. He's close. It says this in Psalms 145, 16, When you open your generous hand, it's full of blessings, satisfying the longings of every living thing. He wants to satisfy the longing and the desire of everything that you have inside of you. I love that the Bible paints this picture of King David. He was a shepherd. He was a warrior. He was a king. He was a prophet. And King David, literally, you guys, had everything he could ever want. Everything. Think about that for a minute, that it is a man who is depicted in Scripture of having everything he could ever want, yet his deepest longing was the Lord's presence. And we kind of sung about it. It's like, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. And King David was reaching into a covenant that did not even exist yet because you weren't supposed to go near the Lord's presence. The priests did that. They went into the Holy of Holies. Yet we have a keen exemplifying for us that there was no barrier for him. And he longed for the presence of the Lord more than anything. It says this in Psalms 42.7, My deep need calls out to the deep kindness, the deep kindness of your love. And it makes me think about um, from King David of how he lived this. He lived this life and he modeled something in front of his son Solomon who later became King Solomon. And um, for King Solomon, um, seeing what his father modeled in loving the presence of the Lord more than anything else, it changed his own life. I believe that there was something. I've I've been stuck in the Song of Songs, the, the Song of Solomon, And I've been reading it pretty much every day out of the Passion Translation. I love it because it is a beautiful, beautiful story and picture of the bridegroom, Jesus, and his beautiful bride, the church. And um, I'm just enamored with it right now because there's such this longing between the two to be fulfilled in a union of everything that they were called to be together And so um, I look at the Song of Solomon and I see King Solomon actually having something very prophetic of what was to come in the church and the bridegroom and the bride and how we get to live in and experience that today. And um, I know that all of that, was born out of presence. It was born out of the presence of the Lord that his father had. It was born out of the presence of the Lord. He's the one who got to build the temple because his father was a man of war, but he was not. And so King Solomon built the temple to worship in. Um, So that's one of my, a couple of my examples just of King David and King Solomon. And um, I want to just kind of shift gears a little bit of how it becomes personal for us. I have this, Taking this perspective on the disciple Thomas, that he is known as Doubting Thomas. Well, I'm going to throw y'all a curveball this morning. So um, I also know about baseball. How about that for you guys? So um, but this is what the Bible says about Thomas, and it's in John chapter 20. It says, one of the 12 wasn't present when Jesus appeared to them. It was Thomas, whose nickname was the twin. So the disciples informed him, we have seen the Lord with our own eyes. Still, unconvinced, Thomas replied, there's no way I'm going to believe this unless. And I love what Thomas says here. He says, I'm not going to believe unless. I personally see the wounds of the nails in his hands, touch them with my fingers, and put my hands into the wound of his side where he was pierced. And eight days later, Thomas came upon Jesus and he says this. He said, these are the words that spilled out of his heart. You are my Lord and you are my God. I love that Thomas did not want to live on the experience from someone else. He wanted to encounter the living Christ for himself. I don't believe that he was just doubting. I believe that he was wanting to know something sure for himself on the inside. And I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but I believe that there's a generation crying out to know this Jesus as a Christ for themselves. And we get to have the privilege of creating that kind of space for him. Um, As I was just kind of like looking at this and longing, one of the Greatest things that I've found, even in my own life, um, it may be the same for you. But I know in my own life, I find that there's just so much noise and distractions, there, that the world is full of noise and distractions. And um, it's neat how there's such an emphasis right now between um, leaders in the church of it emphasizing how to, um, you know, I know last year when Tyler was here, it was from John Mark Comer. The, his book, "The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry," you know, the um, the practicing the way of Jesus, live no lies, you know, to hell with hustle, you know, and ending the hussy and the, uh, the hustle, and the busyness and the hurry. Yeah, that was a funny one, wasn't it? So, um, th- just ending that hurry and that busyness of life. And in 1939, C.S. Lewis said this in the Screw tape le- Screw Tape Letters when he wrote the book. Then this is like a conversation that's going on between a junior devil and a senior devil. So the junior devil says, remind me of our plan again. You can see why he's the junior devil. He can't keep it together, okay? And then the senior devil says, our plan is very simple. And it's to create so much noise in the world that man can no longer hear the voice of God. Now, that was something that was spoken almost 80 years ago and um, it's very prophetic in the day and the age that we live in today. There's so much noise and distraction in the world, but I want to encourage you that Jesus said, my sheep will hear my voice. So the world is not so noisy that you cannot hear him, but there's intentionality that we take in our own lives to create that space for him. Uh, I was watching a also, from 2019, I was watching a, um, a clip just from an interview that Bill Gates and Warren Buffett did in an interview. And um, they actually called the interview, Busy is the New Stupid. And I find that ironic how they put those two together, you know. And that um, Bill Gates was meeting with Warren Buffett. If you don't know them, they're two of the richest men in the whole world. Warren Buffett didn't start out that way. Neither did Bill Gates. And, um, but he actually was talking with Warren Bates and um, uh, Warren Buffett, sorry. And he actually uh, just was looking at his life and his calendar and what was going on because, as a CEO and a founder of a company, it's like his schedule was packed. It was full. It's like all the meetings, all the stuff going on, everything happening, you know, and just it was like packed, 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 packed. You know, there was no margin. And he looked at Warren Buffett's. Um, calendar, and he said, I couldn't believe it. He said, it's like there was all this space on the pages. He's like, "I, I, I was blown away. And so they literally hand him, the interviewer, that book, and they open it up, and he's starting to look, and he's like, there's three appointments for this whole week in April, like on the calendar three. And so I just want you to get a glimpse of that. I know we're not all millionaires, but to grasp hold of Creating the margin and the space in our lives to where it's not so busy and noisy and distracting. Um, Time is our most valuable commodity, and it cannot be bought. Um, It can't be bought. The Bible says this to give yourself, or not the Bible, but this is just one of the things on there that says, give yourself time to read and think. And I thought it was powerful that that came from Warren Buffett. Give yourself time to read and think. And um, for me, it's what the Bible calls meditation. At the end of so many of the Psalms, it says, Selah. It's like, pause. Think about this. Take it in. Soak it in. Massage it deeply into your spirit. It's like, let it take root in you. Let it grow. Let it breathe out of you. So it's meditating in the way God intended. Not weird, okay? But it's having time to think and pause and take these things in. Psalms 90, um, 12 says this, help us, to remember, help us to remember that our days are numbered and help us to interpret our lives correctly. It's like, help us to interpret our lives correctly. We want to do that well with the Lord. Set your wisdom deeply in our hearts. Can I tell you that wisdom was before the foundation of the world? the spirit of wisdom, the Holy Spirit. It's like we have everything that we can need in him. It says this, um, for me, I'm just like, so y'all may be saying, it's like I hear this, this longing, you know, this clearing out clutter and noise and making time and space. And y'all, I get it. We all have to work. We get that. We all have families. We have kids. We have things. But how do we create this margin of space of just being still And so, for me, um, how do we practically do this? Number one, you have to learn it. I did not know how to do this when I was 20. And so, I learned how to create what I call soaking prayer or soaking time or this being still in the presence of the Lord. And as we talked as a leadership team, that was one of the things that we recognized. We have a lot of new people, they're coming from different backgrounds. How do we even do this? I don't know what that looks like. I've never been told this before in my life, you know. And so there's some things that I have found that practically work for me, and I just want to share those with you. Um, The Bible says that David quieted himself before the Lord, and it says this in Psalms 131. It says, I am humbled and quieted in your presence, like a contented child who rests on its mother's lap, I am your resting child, and my soul is content in you. O people of God, your time has come to quietly trust, waiting upon the Lord now and forever. And so it's a part of who we are. It's a part of our DNA to be still and quiet ourselves. So I want to encourage you. You can do it. And um, it just takes practice, and um, you'll get better at it. So... Um, I, I, I felt this for one of the biggest things is that what this is exemplifies for me that David did is that he expressed one of the most important concepts in all of Scripture, and it was humbling oneself before God. And so that quiet stillness is a humbling, it's a humility before the Lord and who He is. Jesus also modeled time with the Father for us and what that looked like. It says this, it says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and He prayed. It's Luke 5 and 16. And as often as possible, Jesus withdrew to out-of-the-way places for prayer. So he wasn't just isolating, you know, and this is what I wrote for myself. It's like Jesus modeled intentional stillness and quiet to be with our Father. Intentional withdrawing to be with him and in his presence leads to refreshing, life, contentment, and soul restoration. Isolation leads to fear despair and hopelessness, and there's a huge difference between the two, and we've seen the effects of a pandemic and what isolation has caused, and so this place of being withdrawing and going and being with the Lord, that's vital to our walk and who we are, and um, how we soak in prayer and how we do that, you know, it's not always necessarily talking and having a lot of words, it's actually just being. Um, there are often times that Dave and I will be at our home, and I will be in one room and he'll be in another room, and I'll just be like, Hey, Dave, can you come in here with me? And so, um, and sometimes he'll go, Well, hey, can you come in here with me? You know? And so, but what I love is it's just the point of being together in the same space. And so, how do we create that is what's important. Uh, and I really do feel like that. We are living in a very urgent time of for the church and what this looks like uh, in that drawing into the Lord's presence and being with him and being immersed in his presence. And for myself, I really am convinced that it is the most important thing, the most invaluable thing that you will ever do in your entire life. Because from that place flows everything else into every relationship, into work friends, into family into the social things, all of that. From that place of being immersed in his presence flows every good thing. Um soaking prayer is being still in the presence of God. Although the body is at rest, the heart longs and yearns for the Lord. Soaking prayer is far from being passive. It's not lazy. It's not wasting time. That's one of the things in songs sometimes like I just want to waste all my time. It's like that's not a waste. That's a glory right there, you know? It's like spending all my time with you. Soaking prayer is far from being passive. It is a dynamic thing to wait on Him with great expectation. So it's an expectation within of experiencing Him and knowing Him and being with Him. We can sit comfortably or lay down, but our heart is wide open, sensitive to the leading of the Spirit, ready to receive from the Father. And what I've learned in my own life is that my heart is a container for God. And the deeper that we long for him, the more we receive of him. And let ours be an empty vessel ready to be filled with his fullness. So how do we immerse ourselves in his presence? How do we actually do this practically? So I'm going to give you five things. And um, these are just practical steps. I'm a very practical person. I like to make things just happen and create space and get those things done. So number one, create a peaceful space. Um, Finding a place that is set up to be conducive and um, offer some kind of privacy and silence is the first practical starting point. It's the starting point. Number two, quiet down your heart and your mind. Um, This is just kind of reorienting yourself, kind of like just getting rid of all the stuff and all the the clutter. I love that there's a song that um, Jonathan David and Melissa Hessler do. It's like clearing out the clutter. We're making room for the only thing that matters. And so in our lives, we want to make room for the thing that matters the most, which is Jesus. It says, this is not emptying your mind, but filling it with longing and desires for God. Um, sometimes I may pray something like just, Lord, I just want to meet with you. It's like, Lord, I just, I just want to be with you. It's like, will you come and just let me know your presence. Let me feel your love. And... Um, And it's amazing because he's close and he wants to be with you as much as you want to be with him really more. It's just that it's our response. I love how Dave shared that this morning. Three, we focus. And um, what you focus on will be magnified within you. I want to say that again. What you focus on will be magnified within you. Focusing on the Lord also means having an expectant heart for him to come, much like a watchman waiting for the breaking of dawn. And um, we focus our whole being with a deep sense of anticipation and excitement. And I know my brother, when I think about that, when you've worked all night long, you cannot wait for the morning because you're like, I'm ready to go to bed, you know. But you watch with anticipation. And I thought about it from a watchman's perspective, that in the nighttime and in the night season, it's like you're keeping an eye out and you're watching and you're keeping guard over and you're looking and you Have your eyes as far as they can see. And what the dawn does is it breaks forth and you can see more clearly. You can see further out. And so there's a longing in watchmen to see far away and far out. And that's what the Lord wants to do in us. Number four says longing and seeking. Deep calls into deep, the psalmist wrote. Our hearts have the capacity to go deeper in desiring his presence. The Spirit of God will lead us deeper into the realms of the Father's presence as we allow our hearts to be passionate in pursuing him. Number five is respond to God. There's a response. It would be awful if I was talking to Dave or loving on Dave and hugging Dave, and he often you know, will go, it's like, just hug me, you know, because if I'm in the middle of something, it's like I'm in task mode, you know, and it's like he wants me to hug him. So I've had to learn that. But there's a response to God. There's a response to his goodness. There's a response to his presence. As you go deeper into his presence, the Lord also reveals his heart to you. The Lord comes to us in different measures, tones, and modes. He may come in a quiet whisper. Or he will paint a picture in your mind that would startle you or trigger thoughts and emotions that are good. That you would release joy unspeakable. Um, Be responsive with gratitude. Whatever the Lord is doing in you, be responsive with gratitude for that. We come alive in the Father's presence. And then I encourage you to create intentional time this week to be in his presence, to see his face, and to feel his heartbeat. Because when you experience that as an individual, you bring that into a corporate anointing and into a corporate setting, and we actually get to glean that from one another. It's almost if you take one little stick over here that's just kind of got its own little fire going on, and you put it with a bunch of other fire sticks, it's a nice big roar, you know, and so that's what that does, and that's what it creates. Um, Ephesians one eighteen says this, I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. And then he tells us what that hope of that calling is. That is the wealth of God's glorious inheritances that he finds in us, his holy ones. That's what the Holy Spirit wants your eyes to be enlightened and illuminated in is that you are the father's delight, that you are his glorious inheritance. Worship together creates an atmosphere for us to press past the temporary and press into the eternal that we were born for. I'm going to say that again, that worship causes us or creates an atmosphere for us to press past the temporary and press into the eternal that we were born for. I mentioned this earlier. There's individual encounter as well as a corporate anointing for encounter when we come together. It says, glory poured out among us that manifest miracles, that manifest healings, that manifest the signs and the wonders. And it happens among us when we come together. I love this quote from Stephanie Gressinger. She says this, sometimes we're singing what we know. So in worship, sometimes we're singing what we know and Sometimes we may go over something again and again and again. And you're like, why are we singing this again? You know, why are we singing the same verse again? And it's because the Lord is emphasizing something. The Holy Spirit's emphasizing something. She says, sometimes we sing songs because we know. And then other times we sing until we're sure. It's becoming concrete and settled in us. It's building something strong in us. And so that's why we do that. So I just want to encourage you guys to get ready for some worship services where there's no there's no preaching. We're wanting to kind of tee up, get everyone together on the same page, like I said earlier, because we're going to experience moments like that. We're going to experience services like that. And we may experience them for a month or six weeks in a row. Praise God. It's It's the longing. It's the longing for him to fulfill everything. And what I know is that the glory of the Lord can be poured out in the desert under a rock and people will come to it. Because they are hungry. And we want to create that kind of space. We have a huge value for the Word of God. It's amazing. That's why you have it in a black and white paper or on a technical book that you can read it in your home. We have a high value for the Word of God. But we want to create space for what the Lord is doing in our midst right now and what He's emphasizing 2 Corinthians says this in 3.16, but the moment one turns to the Lord with an open heart, the veil is lifted and they see. Now, the Lord that I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit, and wherever he is Lord, there is freedom. So, can I tell you that I know that the word of God is important and we believe that. But can I tell you that the spirit of God among us can bring more freedom to a person in a moment with that encounter than what counseling over years has done, what doctors have said over years. I'm telling you, we're creating a space for that to happen here. That's what we're longing for. I want to finish this out with this. It's Psalms 107. Let everyone give all their praise and thanks to the Lord. And here's why. There's a reason why we give thanks to him. It's because he's better than anyone could ever imagine. Yes, he's always loving and kind, and his faithful love never ends. So go ahead and let everyone know it. We want the testimonies out of this house affecting people in our city and in our community and our workplaces because it's his kindness and his love that he's showing us. Tell the world how he broke through and delivered you from the power of darkness and has gathered us together from all over the world. He has set us free to be his very own. Some of us once wandered in the wilderness like desert nomads with no true direction or dwelling place. Starving, thirsting, staggering, we became desperate and filled with despair. There is people in your sphere that describes that describes them right there, and we want to create a place for them. We want to create a place for them to encounter the living God. Then we cried out, "Lord, help us, rescue us." And He did. He led us right into a place of safety in abundance, a suitable city to dwell in. So lift your hands and thank God for his marvelous kindness and for all his miracles of mercy for those he loves. And the scripture that I started with this morning, verse 9, how he satisfies the souls of thirsty ones and fills the hungry with all that is good. In my closing this morning, I have a picture That we are no longer even in this part of this building. And I'm not saying that this part of the building is bad. I love this part. It's been history. It's been a a lampstand in this city for almost 50 years. But I have a vision of generations through this place. I have a vision that David and Callie enjoy their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren through Gemma. For L... You know, for our teenagers, that they're married, they're living in this fullness and this freedom of God and his love. And they're encountering him that the third and fourth generation. That's what I want to see. That's what I see in the picture when I when I when I look and see who we are together in creating this place and this space for God to come and move among us. And to pour his glory out among us that his name would be the name that was great. And our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren experience that and know that. And so that's kind of the end of my message. Um, I don't really know how to wrap that up other than there's longing and there's desire. And if you want more of the Lord, our ministry team, I'm just going to ask them to come up front We'd love to pray for you this morning. If you're watching online, you can send in a message in, um, to dothancf.com and go to the prayer. And we would, would love to call and just connect and pray with you. And so um, this morning, I, just, I hope that you get my heart. I hope you get the heart of a mother who's longing for something for her family and for her children and her grandchildren and her great-grandchildren. Because it's ours and it's a promise from the Lord. And so um, just thank you guys. I hope you have a good week. And I love you very much.